It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Flowtrack Podcast. I'm Kevin. He's Gordon Flowtrack Podcast at gmail.com. Got a lot of good emails. Although, Gordon, I got to say, most of them are just critical of Lincoln's takes. That's the main through line on our email inbox right now. I do have a lot of uh, burner Gmail accounts that I do email the pod <laughs> to try to get Lincoln off the pod, you know, but hopefully uh, I don't go too too hard on the anti-Lincoln takes. So I apologize for those burner Gmail emailing the pod takes. Not, not enough people emailing the pod, so I got to add some filler to it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, people up. we got one. We got one that I want to read that's that's more in your wheelhouse, which I'll do uh, towards the end. It's about uh, ranking the actual events, not the people in the events, but like 100 versus the 400, 200 versus the steeplechase, et cetera, et cetera. And this person at the end of their email makes a plea for you to turn this into an article. So I want to make sure we read that. But first, let's talk track. Let's talk cross country. I, I listened to your guys' pod last week doing the early, early, early preview on BYU-NAU, which was good. Um, have you learned anything about that matchup uh, over the weekend that you can share in terms of who's going, who's running, who's not running? Yeah, I know you're going now, so that's the big news. Well, we don't know if I'm going yet. I haven't bought the, oh, haven't we don't? Bought the ticket. No, we haven't bought the Sorry. ticket, man. It's my, The meet's on Saturday. Don't know if I'm going yet. I hope I go. Jump if I do go, I'll probably, yeah, we jumped the gun. Uh, we'll find out by the end of the day today if I'm going. But if I am going, we'll be able to get some great coverage there of BYU versus NAU versus Oklahoma State. Um, how great would it be, though, if that meet does happen and then, like, Oklahoma State wins? We would just, like, I think we all would, like, throw out the result. And be like, ah, oh, it didn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we can only have one answer, and it has to be a BYU or NAU victory. Uh, no, I don't know much about it other than that. BYU and NAU are going. Uh, I don't know if there's any other last-minute teams that might be like, hey, let's go. Like, I would love if, like, Iowa State's like, screw it. Let's just go. Or, like, Arkansas is like, hey, let's just go. Like, let's have some fun and race against BYU and NAU. Like, swallow our pride and see how we stack up against those two schools. That would be kind of cool. 
Um, but yeah, no, don't know much yet, but excited for it. Should be a great weekend. There's a lot of cross country that weekend, and then also the World Half Marathon Championship. So it's going to be like the last big weekend, I think, now, because after that weekend, we keep saying like, that. It's nothing, though. It truly is nothing. There's like, I mean, sure, you had those conference cross country championships, but there's no New York City Marathon. There's no fall. I mean, there's no like December, like, high school cross-country championships. So I'm kind of we're, – we're coming up to a cliff, and uh, we'll see what happens when we get there. <laughs> this this meet's going to be the best meet of the cross-country season, which isn't saying much. I mean, this this fall season, but initially we thought, oh, it'll be conference weekend. But then as soon as NAU and BYU get involved, um, it changes it. I heard Portland as well too. That's another name that's circulating that could potentially be there as well one thing i think you and lincoln uh, didn't cover when you guys were doing the early preview of the meet and lincoln was trying to i i think trying to get some of that t boone pickens money or at least get back into dave smith's good graces because he's like oklahoma state by 60 let's go um i think they're all gonna run hard because this is this is qualification right for the for the march championship and you, you don't know what's going to happen what meets are going to be available to you in the months of january and february and march now, if they're picking 31 teams, chances are they could still run a B squad and be fine. But you can't take too many chances or be too cute here if if you're one of these teams. And wouldn't you rather just get get it done, make your statement right now, and then that would leave you with a bunch more options come 2021? Yeah, that's true. I mean, but, here's it. but I feel like they could still throw up a dud and the selection committee would still pick them, right? That's going to be interesting about this year is that there's going to be just a straight up selection committee deciding who the mm-hmm. 31 teams are. Like it's, there's not going to be like a, a formula that we've known to use the Coloss formula. It's just going to be people in a room being like, yeah, you guys think Arkansas should go? Yeah. Let's look at them. They're a conference champion. Like, because there's going to be conference. It's going to be super valuable this year than any other year because the committee's going to be like, you're a conference champion, so therefore you deserve to go. And if you are like, if you win like a a shitty conference, that might help you. Mm-hmm. Like, they might be be like, oh, the Coastal Carolina won the Sun Belt. Let's take them, which would be crazy yeah. if they did that. But winning your conference is well, going to be huge. If you don't win your conference, it's going to be bad. Well, what if the situation plays out like this? One of these two power teams – they don't run everybody, and the people they do run have an off day, so they finish fourth or something. Just just indulge me on this. And then we get to 2021, and they're in a team or they're in a state where they're not able to compete as much or something goes wrong where they can't travel for a weekend, pick up an injury here or there, they underperform, like, and they only have maybe one or two meets on their resume, one of which is really subpar. And then they're going against all these teams, as you mentioned before, none of whom we would think would be better than them in a straight-up matchup, but they like won their conference or they had a full season and they beat quality opponents. The committee's going to have to work hard to make sure they're just basing it on this season, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, but I guess they are. it's going to be hard because at least in college football, the preseason rankings are all bullshit, and they know they're bullshit, so therefore – 
the college football playoff rankings don't come out till like week 10, right? They let yeah. the regular season happen before they even bother to say who we think is the best team because they don't want to go off anything from the previous year, right? Um, mm-hmm. But in this situation, there could be a lot of there there could be a lot of teams out there that don't really have a resume who are really good, or people who mm-hmm. have a resume who aren't that good, and the people with the resume might be more enticing to the committee. I mean, this can be a really controversial podcasts week after week in the winter which i'm looking forward to <laughs> about you know who should and who yeah. shouldn't be going you know i might but come say, up with a list but, i might have my weekly like here's who the committee should pick top five in top five out you know the lenardis of the world <laughs> use that board behind you does that is that board can you actually write on that thing or is that just a decoration is there chalk nearby no this is a. Uh, there you go, other side. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. I, um, the mic fell. This is, it is a chalkboard, I think, but we don't have any chalk, okay. but that's paint. Um, okay. JoJo so we should ex- perfect is the enemy of good. So so we'll expense a whiteboard for you, and I think every week you should go on a crazy rant about who's in and who's out because that that has been what your career has been building towards all these years. You should be on the committee. We, of course, know that. I know. They're not going to. They're not going to put you on the committee. Why? Because they're afraid of the truth. So yes, uh, the next best thing will be you ranting and raving about who should be in. I could see a scenario, though, where one of these top two teams, if if they don't run their A team, they get, they get beat by somebody. And we think, oh, man, that team's really great. But then that team goes on to get fifth or sixth in their conference. If we're using the college football uh, parallel here, right? Like you want the people who beat you to go on to have great seasons. But what if – they get beat by a team that doesn't end up being that good. And then you're like, okay, well, their loss was to a kind of a team that's maybe not even going to get into the meet. How do we justify that when we have, you know, all these teams in the Pac-12 and the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 that competed and ran this robust season? That's why I think it's really important. Go out there, run as close to your A squad as possible, put up a super-duper low score, put a bunch of separation between yourselves and everybody else so you don't need to worry about that stuff. Uh, come 2021, but I'm not sure what the coaches will decide. Yeah, we'll have to wait and find out. Uh, can't wait till 2021, baby. Cross country. Here we go. It's gonna be fun to talk about. It. Slash, slash this weekend. Slash conference weekend. Slash. I mean, it is weird, right? This is it for these teams because yeah. even the teams that are com- even though the teams that are competing this fall win is conference. Conference is in. Is it two weeks from Saturday? Essentially, that weekend, yeah, Halloween weekend. So even if, even if these teams were having a conference meet, even if they were allowed to compete, they'd only get one more meet in. So, and then there's the factor you and Lincoln we're talking about, which is they've just been waiting for so long, they have to want to get out there if they're on campus and if they've been been training. I mean, they've missed their missed their outdoor season. A lot of these top runners missed the chance to go hard. And indoors, they have to be just raring to go and wanting to go hard um, and appreciative of the opportunity to do it too because they didn't think they probably were going to get it a month ago. So I'm excited to see what they come up with. I I did find out that NAU is driving to Stillwater and not flying. Oh, wow. How far away do you think Flagstaff is to Stillwater, Oklahoma? 
Okay, let me look. So you got you got Arizona. I, I know I'm, I'm gonna guess because you got Arizona right here. You got you got to go through all of New Mexico, and then you you sneak up that top right corner. I'm gonna guess thirteen hours. Whoa, thirteen and a half. Look at you. Southwest geography is my specialty, Gordon. <laughs> but yeah, apparently they're gonna do it in two trips: a nine-hour trip and a five-hour trip. So, but uh, now, that just is shows that for like health precautions or budget. I'm get maybe budget, health precaution. Yeah, definitely. I bet you it's more budget because like mm -hmm. they're probably trying to be like, just give us anything, man. They're like, all right, we'll let you go if you drive. All right, I'm in. You know. Yeah. So th that well, shows I, how much you're itching to have a race. I was surprised to find out that UW is going to be driving too. That seems a little excessive, but that's Wait, a joke. I don't know. Okay. No, no. <laughs> well, you you <laughs> not. you broke the. You said Portland might be going, so I'm like, all right. Where did you that is Portland true. might be going? That is true. Uh, a coach who's involved in the meet said Portland. I don't know if that's men's, women's, or or both. We'll, uh, we'll find Weber out by this pod. Okay. This pod is just going to turn into you and maybe sometimes me texting coaches and repeating what they say. Weber State. You, you knew about Weber State, right? I mean, I gonna, and this is going to be awkward. If This is going to be awkward if it turns out I was completely wrong. I'm just saying a coach who's involved in the beat said that – listed Portland. I don't know men, women, or or, or both. But I, why – if you're going to bring one team, I think you'd bring bring both just to maximize the the opportunities. But – uh yeah that's a long drive long drive for those guys from from flagstaff so that they man that's they bring in two vans full because nau goes deep even when they're not running a full team yeah, like ncaa's I mean, they brought all sorts of people maybe they're only gonna bring seven though because of covid maybe it's like all right we're not doing the mm -hmm. whole like b team stuff like just 14 athletes one coach so, so like you if have you have no a van how many people can you how many people can you fit in a van a van was like, you can get 15. three, three, three. You can you can fit, can you fit eleven people in a van? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's there's fifteen passenger vans. Yeah, for sure. And then you have so two coaches. Two vans. Yeah. yeah. So you don't really know anybody who's running for NAU, or you, you're just not allowed. You're you've you're you're on on deep background or something and can't say, or do you actually not know who they're running? I don't know. I don't know. I mean. Okay. I would hope it's the A team, right? I, it's going to be an A team. Like I don't need to know that, right? They're not going to go out there. They're going to go out there and run their guys who we saw at last year. There's, you know, the the one Drew person Bosleys, Grijalva's of all these, you know, the the one the person one we don't know about. Nico Young, Nico. Right? Yeah, Nico yeah. Young's the one that you don't know. I would assume everyone else, but Nico Young's the wild card. Like, will he? Will he? Uh, so that I don't know, but. As soon as I do know, I'll tell you. Because for Nico Young, it's like, hey, here's your introduction to collegiate cross country. Here's a random one-off meet in the middle of pandemic. Go. I could see Mike Smith saying, you know what? Let's let's pump the brakes a little bit on your development and roll you out when you're there's like a more more logical season. But the older guys who've yeah. been in the program go out there, just do a hard effort and put the uniform back on again. But and also, like if you how, think about what, it, like, if you think about but, it, like, there's a lot more like guys on the NAU roster who kind of like, like Nico's gonna have a four to five years at NAU to run, right? He doesn't need mm -hmm. this one time in 
October of a pandemic. Like the people who I think Coach Smith is going to want to like let get off the steam, get off that that monkey off the back is mm-hmm. someone like a Gorhalva, a Ryan Raff who didn't get to run at NCAs last year. You know, a Blaze Farrow who you know is in the fifth year. Those type of guys, I feel like the ones are going to get prior. Like redshirt freshmen, like think about they have like two good redshirt freshmen this year who you know they redshirted all last year, so it's kind of like hey, let them have. They've been waiting. Like Nico, mm-hmm. you can wait a little bit. We don't need you. There's no team title on the line right now, so I could see Nico being, even though Nico could be one of their top five guys, they'd be like seniority for this trip. I mean, I don't know, but that could be that could be a yeah. factor. Well. It is interesting because this flies in the face of everything that collegiate cross-country coaches typically do, which is just caution, caution, caution. Don't don't over-race, don't over-race, don't run random races for no reason. And now, yeah, this race has a, has a purpose, as we mentioned, because you don't know what's going to happen in 2021. But it's so oddly timed that you'd think people would be like, wait, I'm not going to do that. Why am I going to run one one-off race? But given the context of how they've missed all these other opportunities to compete. And we don't know how many more they're going to have going forward. It makes perfect sense. But I think there's a lot of coaches where it's kind of going against their natural instinct to be like, wait a minute, why are we driving two days to Stillwater to run? Like we could be training during that time, Gordon. And you know how much cross country coaches in college love to train, right? Oh yeah. No, I think Mike though, just really wants to give these kids some, some treat, some dessert, right? They need something, right? They've been. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's why. They, I think they would they would drive thirty hours just to get a race, <laughs> right? That's all. That's what they want. And it's even more yeah, fun I- that the BYU's there. It's like they have some like goal, like there's something on the line in a way. Like they're not just going there to race a bunch of like shitty teams. They're going up to race BYU, so like it's good for in like, a way excited about yeah it's i hate to use this term because it's overdone and probably not accurate in a lot of terms but it's an old school approach to running and competing right we're going to run this meet the other we're not going to duck any other good teams where everybody should show up who can right because we're wondering about who else is going to join usually we're looking at some of these preseason meets we're like oof, there's too many good teams there a couple teams are going to back out because they don't want to go out there and take a loss that has happened this is a complete yeah Oh, in, in this season or previous season? That happened last year. I won't say the, the oh, right, schools, right. but there were schools that pulled out because they were like, oh, no, I ain't doing that. Right. And now we're back to the other way of thinking, which is just like, get me on the start line. I don't care against who. I'll race anybody. And if they end up all bringing their best guys, even more so, or best women, even more so, because we don't see that that much in, in collegiate cross country. So it kind of is, is a return, return to that of just like, hey – we're just going to compete like this is a basketball or football season where you just bring your best every week and you you compete against who's ever there and you don't really play games. So, I I mean, I'm interested at least for this this one meet to see how coaches handle that. Um, both teams are good enough to where they could not run the A-team, as we mentioned before, and and still be fine. But I, I don't know if you want to get too cute this year. I don't know. Um, so stay tuned on that. We'll figure out if Gordon's traveling. Um, maybe by Wednesday when you're back on the, it's me and Lincoln tomorrow. So on Wednesday, we'll have a Gordon travel update courtesy of Expedia. I haven't bought the flight yet. I was going to buy it end of day today. If I go, so (laughs) we'll see what Portland says. (laughs) 
Yeah, Portland's going to be the one that's tipping factor. Portland's there. I'm like, all right, I got to go. Go get uh, eat a vegan Minis- meal with Rob Connor. <laughs> Lincoln will be so jealous. I did like how you asked Lincoln if he would go, and the initial reaction was, yeah, and then he just spent the next three minutes backsliding. <laughs> it was. It's like when a friend asks you if you want to go out on a Friday night, but you're really tired and you don't want to, but you don't want to seem like you're uh, you're bailing on him. But your first reaction is so enthusiastic, and then you just think more about yeah. it, and you're like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Man, I don't know why Lincoln doesn't want to go. He should love to go. It, it's, it could it'd be a good like capstone on his career at Flow, right? Because his mm-hmm. first meet he ever covered was in Stillwater, where Coach Smith called him the D-Squad. And now he could go back and be like fully redeemed and be part of the A squad. But now he he wants to stay in the D squad, I guess. So mm-hmm. staying back. Yeah. Whatever. Well, it would have been full circle for me. That was my first meet I did before I was just look at that. I was I wasn't even I wasn't even an employee. Yeah, I know. I tried to go, but you cut me. So I uh, I volunteered, didn't go. Lincoln didn't volunteer, but you, you never gave me, me a, an answer if you would go. You were like, I have kids. They all, you and Lincoln are all like, I have kids. Uh, uh, let's read the text. I said, I didn't want to take this opportunity from Lincoln is what I said. <laughs> um, all right, let's talk another, like, oh, this... all right. no, I, no, I would, I was going to go, I was ready to go. I think it would have been okay. good for me to get out of my house. I was planning on even driving. I was going to bike pulling in at you. I was like, I'll just drive myself if need be. Um, but that's okay. It's okay. I've come to grips with the fact well, that, the flight, that you will handle it. If the flight gets too much, then maybe we could drive together. You know, I want to drive separate. Just I want to do NAU style. We take two vans. We're going to do everything NAU style. We're going to find White Castle okay. for Theo. It's going to be incredible. Um, <laughs> Minnesota. That's a deep cut for the running with the boys That's fans a deep out cut. there. Minnesota men. They decide hey. not to cut outdoor track, so just indoor track. My question to you, obviously this came after a big uh, campaign, big pushback from alumni and current members of the program. We had an interview a couple weeks ago with Owen Haft of the Golden Gophers. I don't know if that's what pushed the Board of Regents over the top. I don't know if they listen to the Flowtrack podcast. I can assume they do, and I can assume that that uh, that's the reason why they backed out. My question to you, though, Gordon, is what is the the viability of a Division One program that has cross-country and outdoors but no indoors? What does their future look like? I mean, obviously you want to have an indoor, but like, I feel like for, I don't know. I I, I don't think it's that big of a deal, (laughs) mainly. I I mean, it does like suck, right? But like, in the end, like. It's good analysis. (laughs) I don't know. Like, I'm thinking about teams that like. USC used to have not used to, used to not have indoor. USC right. like it's like a stalwart program. USC, um, and then there's always like random like schools that just don't have an indoor sponsored on the men's side. I mean, mm-hmm. this is I don't think Maryland has indoor for men, and maybe they just have outdoor for men. I'm not sure exactly. I could be wrong. Could mess that up. Uh, I don't know. I mean, obviously it hurts, right? But at the same time, Minnesota is the only track school in the state, right? So they're still going to be able to get people who love Minnesota to go there, and they're going to be able to give them the carrot of like, hey, cross country, which for distance runners, you got to love it. 
I mean, if you're a distance runner, the only thing you're missing out on is, I guess, being a part of a DMR, right? Because that's like the fun, mm-hmm. like, ooh, I could be in a DMR. But outside of that, like, cross country is where you're going to get excited and outdoor track where, you know, you're going to be able to run your fastest times. Like, no one is trying to peak. I mean, most – you see a lot of times where the Oregons and Colorados and Stanfords of this world, they purposely don't try to peak indoor, right? Or they yeah. – or not Oregon. Oregon – doesn't try to peak cross country, but Colorado and Stanford, they're like, Hey, let's do well across and then just glide through indoors and then peak for, for June outdoors. Um, there's, I mean, that's going to be on the coach to kind of really hammer down. Like, Hey, this is an advantage. You're not going to get burnt out in the months of January through March. And we're going to take that time to be like even better in the outdoor season and kind of look at it as like a blessing in disguise that we don't have this distraction of an indoor season that all it does is just wear you out with no big reward. Maybe that's like the argument because it's kind of true, right? I feel like the all the like Grant Fisher was not never like Grant Fisher and even Cheserek, they didn't really focus much on indoor. They were like peak for cross country nationals glide through indoors by maybe doing like three, two to three races and then peak for outdoors. So, um, it could be a blessing in disguise, but it just sucks. Cause in the end, like not everyone is trying to like win nationals. Sometimes it's just fun to go to a conference meet and score points and finish eighth in your conference in the four by eight, or, you know, have that opportunity to run an indoor mile like you don't really get anymore. So the Minnesota mile records are going to be are solid now. No one's going to break those Minnesota mile records because there's no outdoor miles. But yeah, you know. well, I was thinking of it from the perspective of sprinters and field eventers. They get you know one fewer season to to compete. Now some field events aren't competed indoors, and if you're a four meter hurdler, I guess it really doesn't matter to you at all because you can't do your your main event and you could probably i mean correct me if i'm wrong but all those years usc didn't sponsor indoors they still had athletes competing in some all comers type setup meets right they could still go to u-dub like and and run indoors like mississippi state doesn't sponsor indoor men's track i don't think i remember that was a weird thing because like uh brandon mcbride was mm-hmm. able to still go to NCAAs even though he didn't run at SECs. It was weird. Uh, <laughs> he'd won indoors. I think it's SEC didn't it didn't sponsor at the SEC level, but they were still allowed to go to NCAAs. Like there might be a situation where if a Minnesota athlete like just goes out there and runs really fast, like he'd still go to NCAAs. I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah. I just know that's happened at Mississippi State, but I'm not sure it's a different rule. Well, one thing is for certain, adding adding the extra season, of course, at least gives you now some sort of sprint program, some sort of field event program. And I think you could potentially keep those those distance runners, that those those top recruits, you know, saying we only have cross country and then you can be on your own for two seasons is a lot different than saying we have cross, we have outdoor, and those are our real points of emphasis. And if you want to do these all comer indoor, you know, if you're good enough and you want to go to BU or whatever and run these indoor meets like you know we can run on attached and and pursue those opportunities i think that seems viable where it you where it hits you're right is at the conference level because the big 10 
teams take such pride in the Big Ten Conference championships and not having a representative there on the men's side for Minnesota is going to be is going to be a blow. But um, I, it's certainly better than the alternative that they were looking at just a couple of weeks ago. Just last. Yeah, week, I mean, yeah. you, you got to take it as a victory again, like. We always make a joke. There's no indoor Olympics. Like, mm-hmm. if you if you're gonna let anything go, if you're gonna have to sacrifice anything, it's indoor season. Like, cross country, you don't want to sacrifice because it's that team aspect. Outdoor, you don't want to sacrifice because that's like the core of track and field. Indoor is like, you know, like I said, you could turn it into a blessing in disguise. You could be like, hey, we're gonna be the best outdoor program now because we we're gonna we're gonna take the winter season and and use it to become even better in the outdoor, right? So mm-hmm. I look at it as a yeah, win. You could, you could say, hey, we're going hard at that first Stanford invite. Our distance runners are really going to go – or even our sprinters too, right? We're going to go crazy in, in March, like once we have the opportunity to compete, and then we're going to be we're gonna be fresher because of it. We're going get, to get good marks. Uh, one big result, you've called this the last track meet of 2020 in Hangelo which preceded the previous last track meet of 2020, which was Valencia. And then before that was the Doha Diamond League and on and on and on. And then this is it. That was the last one as well. (laughs) But I think we've actually come to the end of the road here. Um, But I didn't know this one was happening until late last week when we were were talking about it. But Safan Hassan, in in terrible weather, Gordon, goes out in 1437 for this 10K and then runs – 2936, which is good enough for uh, number four all time, and it is also a European record. But 1437 off the top is, is mighty ambitious. There was there was tough weather there uh, all day in, in Hangalo, so she'll, perhaps she could have run even faster. And this just makes me think now between the 5,000, between the 10,000, the women's distance events on the track. Uh, did not did not skip a beat at all in in 2020, and we're going to see just some some ridiculous marks. I think next year when there's more opportunities to compete. What I know, I don't maybe like. We won't. I know I always... Maybe we won't because they're not going to do time trials. Maybe that's a bad. Thing. Maybe I'm going to be wrong about that. Maybe this this is it. Maybe we saw the fastest 10k it. for the next couple of years, and Gaday's 5,000 is that mark's not going to be broken for 10 years. I don't know. But it's just weird to me that this five and ten were like nuts this year for the women. Crazy deep. Yeah. And also nuts on the men too, right? <laughs> Two world records on the men. It's yeah. just like the yeah. five and ten all of a sudden just became like, whoa. We got all mm-hmm. all four of the events are like phenomenal. Not I like flash forwarding. We're gonna flash forward to the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What well, let's take the ten out of it because it, Hassan will win the ten. She's clearly the best, right? She's got the best kick. If Hassan runs the 5K, who would you take? Hassan or Gaudet or someone else? Or someone else, you know. I take Hassan. 5K top three order over the world record holder? I would not put the world record holder number one. I would put Safan Hassan number one. I would put Helen O'Beary number two. And I would put Gaudet. Number three, for the reasons that Paul Chalimo, good 5,000-meter runner in his own right, mentioned about finishing speed. And G'day was perfectly set up for that world record attempt. She's strong. She grinds out those those quick laps. Um, 
but I don't think it's going to come down to that. I think it's going to come down to being able to close in under 60 seconds. And that's why I would take, that's why I would take us on. Do you think it's possible that the women's 5,000 meter world record holder, the men's 5,000 meter world record holder and the men's 10 K world record holder could come home with zero golds <laughs> in Tokyo. Yeah, it's a possibility. I think obviously chapter guy is a much bigger favorite than, than G'day, but chapter guy in the five, I think is definitely vulnerable. I like him a little more in the, in the 10,000, but yeah, I mean, as Paul mentioned, there's just such a big difference between who's going to, who's going to thrive in the time trial setting and who's going to do it um, in the Olympics or world championships. Chapter guy's already been there. He's gotten the gold medal. So I think he can do it again, but I don't think by any means it's going to be, it's going to be easy. There's not going to be a whole bunch of pacers there set up for him to, to run away from the field. Like there was um, this, this year. I mean, it's not, it's not going to be about time. It's going to be about the ability to close. No, I mean, with that, I mean, Kipchoge losing is a shock to me. G'day or Cheptegei losing would not be a shock at all. So here's the thing, Kevin. Past mm. few weeks, uh, my girlfriend, she's doing a really good job with having side jobs to make extra money during the pandemic. I mean, she has her, her regular job, but then she you know freelance here, freelance there, make some extra cash. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I need that. I need a side gig to get me some extra cash in the door. Not that I need it or anything, but like just it's nice to, you know. And I was thinking the ultimate I should get into sports gambling. That's what I was thinking. I feel like mm -hmm. if I focused really hard on sports gambling, I could make some good money. Because I feel like I'm a smart guy. I follow a lot of sports, I know the stats, all this stuff. And I love following it. But I'm always scared to gamble because I don't want to lose money. But if I focus on it, maybe I could do it. And then I thought, hey, I could make bank on sports gambling at the Olympics. And then I was thinking, hey, I guarantee you the odds makers are likely going to put better odds on G'day in the 5K at the Olympics. They're like, oh, world record holder, you're the favorite. Boom. Yeah. Don't take it. Take, take Hassan. Put a lot of money on Hassan. So I'm starting to look at these like performances, these like world record wor top marks that people are putting together in 2020. Is that going to skew – the bookmakers to thinking that they're better than they really are. So then I can make some money in 2021 thoughts. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I don't, I don't endorse this as a side gig uh, because that's how you get a gambling problem. So don't do that. But I always <laughs> like looking up. I always like looking up the odds going into the Olympics from uh, our friends in great Britain. And I remember in 2016, I think it was, there were just insane bets out there about Usain Bolt. Like you could have made a lot of money on Usain Bolt. Now you would have had to lay a ton of money to get it because they, they were they weren't they were like one to three odds, but it was like odds Bolt breaks the world record in 2016. And I was like, there's a zero percent chance Bolt's gonna break the world record in 2016, but you have to lay like a ton of money. You could get odds on him breaking 19 seconds in the 200. Like it, go back in time. How much money would you have wagered that Bolt was not going to break 19 seconds in the 200 in Rio. Oh, all of it. Right. My entire Man, 401k. Yeah. It's all in. Yeah. 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 But it, it was something weird. It was like two to nine or some, some obscure, obscure odds. And sometimes, yeah. you know, that stuff's kind of like not legitimate, but there was so many, there was such an appetite for people wanting to bet on Bolt. So there's of course a market of people trying to 
take advantage of people wanting to bet on Bolt. So yes, you could absolutely do it. Well, then I've, I've done this you, before. It's tough. Yeah. I'm thinking about like finding all the heavy favorites and just doing one giant parlay on them all. And then like, boom, mm. make some money off of that. Like, yeah. So, you know what? I that's take what I'm back what I said before. About. I'm for this. I take back what I said yes. before saying, don't do this, do this. I mean, cause I want to see how well you do. I'm interested in doing this. Maybe that could be a, a segment for, for the podcast. And well, I was thinking about it for the gateway. In order to gamble the right way, you have to have like a, a bankroll, like a, like a, a number you're willing to lose every month or whatever. And like, so I was like, all right, if I'm willing to spend, let's say a hundred bucks a week, right? So 400 bucks a month. If mm -hmm. I'm willing to go a whole year where I take $400 and light it on fire every month, I should be content with that. Cause that's me losing every single thing I do. Right. So if yeah, I'm willing yeah. to take the ultimate low of burning $400 a month for a year, I'm willing to accept that fate. Therefore, I'm really risking nothing because all I can do is just win by just like, you know, taking the over on different games and the you know I could, and I just think in track I feel like I'm gonna be smarter than everyone else that's betting. I don't know. Like, no, do the odds makers really follow like who's good at running and not like I don't. The odds makers know where to put the lines for basketball games, football games, this, that, and the other thing. You know, win win losses, all that, but like. Odds makers are not watching track, and there's no way they're going to be able to make sure no one is taking advantage of them. Right? Correct. That's why they they hedge a lot of the ones I've seen in the past. Like you'd get you'd get you know Chepta guy would be up there, right? Pharaoh would be listed, and then maybe one other person in the 10k would be listed, and then it would just be like the field after that. So they 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 do a lot to hedge, I think. I don't know. I just think I can make some money. See, but you here's the thing, though. What? What's the Kipchoge thing? got eighth. Kipchoge got eighth. Like, now I would have stayed away from a Kipchoge bet because it would not have be paid any money because he was been an, an enormous favorite. But there's things that we're so sure of that sometimes don't don't happen. But I'm willing to watch. I want to watch this. I'm entertained. I'm entertained thinking about you spending four hundred dollars a month on track gambling. <laughs> like who? who <laughs> Well, who'd like who would be the most for sure like willing to put down ten thousand dollars to win a thousand dollars right now? Uh okay, for the Olympics running yeah. event, men men, women, any event, all of it. I mean, okay, so maybe Mondo, but that's a lot of faith in a, in pole vault. I'd almost yeah. again you're willing to I put down ten thousand dollars to win a thousand. Krauser, maybe just because the shot put Krauser. Like, yeah. Do you want to go half on this? Halfies? Beach men of five hundred bucks. As in, I give no. I give you advice, and you give me half the winnings. <laughs> oh, okay. Sure. <laughs> I take no, all the rest. I think it would be. But... I mean, if uh, I'll take Noah Lyles. Needs... Noah Lyles. That's the other one. Best. Yeah, but then a like, false start. I don't know. Like Warholm in the four hurdles. That's a stay away. Eight hundred stay away. Chariot in the 15, maybe. Steeple, stay away. Chip the guy, maybe. I mean... What we got to do is you got to do the odds of, like, meddling. Like, put... put I'll put my life savings on Noah Lyle's meddling. Like, he's going to meddle. Yeah, but I wouldn't you rather put... Wouldn't you feel safer with a Krauser bet if his season yeah. next year goes like this season? 
Like his yeah. The, the the idea of him fouling like what are the odds of him fouling three times? And not, I just that's super low, right? And his worst throw is better than everybody's best throw. Yeah. Mond I kind of I feel good about Mondo, Mondo though, too. Yeah. What about the like, women it, women would be tough. I think you'd stay away from most of the women. Maybe like Bridget Koska in the marathon, but I I wouldn't bet any money on a marathon. What about 400 hurdles? Do I get to pick two people? <laughs> I, I wouldn't. Yeah, half and half. Oh. Yeah, maybe. I guess you have to see how the numbers work out there. Um, I mean, whatever Hassan runs, I'd feel reasonably comfortable at. But I don't know if I would bet. If you're talking about betting money, laying money on a big favorite, then that'd be tough. You know what you definitely could do, though? I feel like you uh, – and this is probably what all gamblers say, and this is why they get in a, a bunch of trouble – you can make a big bet. I feel like it, on day one of the Olympics, like on some reasonable, uh, reasonable underdog or something. And then if you lost it, because you have to have limits for what you win too, right? You can't just have limits for spending. Otherwise, you'll yeah. you'll get get yourself in trouble too. But like, if you made a a big bet at the beginning and you missed, I feel like you could kind of like nickel and dime your way back throughout the rest of the days in the competition, right? Yeah. Like you could, especially if you just said okay. I'm sticking with favorites or whatever, or you have some formula and you're just like, I'm going to stick with that. And eventually it's going to even, even itself out. I think by the end you could, you could, you could get your money back at least. Famous last words. Famous last words. <laughs> when I'm like, let me read this email. Bridge. Let me read this email. Uh, Cause you'll like it. Uh, this is from MDDB. He says, long time, Listener, every episode, first-time emailer, in true COVID fashion, I proposed a March Madness-style bracket to determine what is the best running or track and field event to five of my friends. This 32-event bracket was split between running events and field hurdle events and seeded by distance or randomly. There are some running events that are not strictly track-related to fill the bracket. A former D1 middle distance runner and and five of my non-running friends spent 1.5 hours debating until we came to a winner. The rules were as follows. One. Decisions for your vote can be based on any metric you decide. Your experience uh, playing the event in Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games, 10K sounds cooler than 5K, or your aunt ran a half marathon once. Two, ties resulted in further debate and video evidence to try and convince someone to flip their vote to the other side. If nobody flips, it decided by a coin flip. Some notable debate points. Triple jump doesn't even make sense. It should be alternating feet, so it can't be that good. Uh, Javelin has the best translational skills to being stranded on an island. The commentary for the race walk has some legendary clips. Mixed gender relays probably coincide with Title IX better. Someone who can jump over Yao Ming unassisted is way cooler than someone throwing a rock. Why run a 5K? That's like half a 10K. Steeplechase was an early crowd favorite once they understood the concept that the athlete jumped over water pit for no apparent reason every lap. It ultimately lost to decathlon due to the fact that Olympic champions are called the world's greatest athlete. Um, the ultimate winner, do you want me to give away the, the ending here? Uh, well, why don't we make our, okay, well, how about tell me who made it to the final and then I'll say who should win okay. and then you'll tell me who they picked. Okay. So 32 events, right? On one side, the first matchup, well, give me the, give me the final four. Give me the, give me the, give me the final four. Okay. So the final four, it appears to be, hold on one second. So emerging from the running event bracket was the. Uh, 400, 400 in the marathon are on one side. And then on okay. the other side is the, 
is the pole vault versus the heptathlon and decathlon. So those are the last four. That decathlon, so, heptathlon, that they're they're the uh, Cinderella right there because I don't. They're, well, they're he's saying, get crushed by pole vault. He's saying he's saying that that the idea of being the world's greatest athlete, like as a title, is the is is a deciding factor. Um, so he had the four hundred over the marathon, and then the pole vault, as you mentioned. The clock struck midnight on Cinderella. So the final is actually the 400 versus the pole vault. And the 400 emerged. Uh, he said it emerged after two ties and calling in five roommates to weigh in on their final opinions to break the tie. And he says, it looks Gordon, like please they're... do official rankings and post an article. I would yeah. love to see track Twitter go crazy. What other results surprised you? I mean, I would. they have the 100 losing to the 400. I would think the hundred would beat the four hundred, and then you have a hundred eight hundred matchup in the in the elite eight. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of events that shouldn't exist. I've said this my entire time at Flow <laughs> that uh, they're just like they are created so people can double, and it's like I don't want to see some people double. I want to see because when you can when you can double. You can have people dodge each other. I don't want someone the best in this event and the best in that event and then not race each other. Just make it one event and let them race each other. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe I should make a power ranking and just this would be great. I'm going to make a list of all. I'm just going to rank all the events, give no reason, and just say Flowtrack's official event rankings. And it's just all 17 events, just in order. And then people just have to be like, get really angry. Because whoever I rank last is going to be not happy. Log off Twitter for the day. Well, he's got some weird events in here. I mean, he's got the shuttle relay in there. He's got the two by two by four. He's got the mixed gender relay. He's got the weight throw. He's got the race walk. He has the indoor thousand, the indoor 600. He added, he added quite a bit of events in here. I think, I mean, when you have a field event section and, and then you, you put the main running events on one side of the bracket, there's going to be a lot of upsets. I think most people would, would like, the hundred, the marathon, the mile, and I think track people are really into the eight hundred. That's what I think. No, disagree. I wouldn't say the marathon. Marathon's too long, man. Like it's not it a. Is, it is one of the longer events. Yeah. No, I just think it's the just pub, like the... visually like. It's like visually not like there's no ever you rarely get close races and it's just not fun. If you I want to see people get kicked down. I want to see people, you know, lean at the line. Like that's the exciting. Like oh oh oh, what's happening? You don't get that in a marathon. Marathon's like, all right, let's wait till twenty k, thirty k. Okay, chip code, Kipchoge, Kipchoge, <laughs> move on. Well, that know? didn't happen in London. London, there was a one second I know. victory there. But I get your point. I think on the on the Olympic stage, though, I think people like it because it goes through the city. Uh, if you live in the town, that's the one event that you can go see for for free and the historical connection of it. I think it almost doesn't belong. Like it should be in a separate. It, it should be in the road race bracket, and you can decide whether or not you like that versus a ten k versus a half marathon. Because I think things on the track. I'm just saying people identify with that because they've run marathons before. Most people haven't run steeples or fifteen hundreds. 
But I think so. What I, you, to me, eight eight hundred. To me, is eight hundred. It's the best event. Yeah, just because it's number one, it's people of all different walks of life in terms of you get the the sprinters, you get the distance runners, like every single not all walks of life. If you're a if you're an offensive lineman, you're not running the eight hundred. But you know <laughs> what I mean, right? It's like there's no like if you look at the countries that are represented, it's very diverse. If you look at in you look at uh, NCAA championships, you look at you know, where the winning teams, um, where the winning runners have come from. It's kind of all over the map because you could go at it from a speed perspective. You come up from a distance perspective. And the race is always interesting. Even if it's a blowout, it's kind of interesting because you're wondering if they're going to hang on. There's there's contact, which is good. Um, it's over quickly. It's easy to figure out the splits and it's easy to follow. Um, that's, why I, that's why I like it. I like races out – I mean – it's cool when there's a race out of lanes, I think, because otherwise we'd just be swimming. Yeah. I, I, no offense to swimming. for the same reasons you like the 800, that's why I like the mile the best because yeah. it's also short enough. It's only, it's less than four minutes long, which is a good enough time. Uh, sometimes, and then, uh, I like the idea that you can have a, you can have a vast dynamic, different types of strategies with it. Like, my favorite type of mile races are the ones where they're running slow because it's just like, then it's just like a mind game of like, all right, who's going first and who's not like my, my favorite miles are slow miles. Cause it's like positioning and like, who's going to take it. And like, they might surge and then unsurge, you know, and I feel like that's more exciting. So for that reason, I would, I would go with the mile. I mean, personally, like, I think I personally love the, cause I ran school in college. My favorite, my favorite event to watch is the mile. I think so. I'm enough of a track fan. I'm enough of a track fan where it's like, if there's good people in the event, any event can be interesting. Because I remember ten years ago, the men's four meter hurdles was rarely discussed. It would have been low on the list of high interest events, and now it's awesome. Now it's a lot of fun watching Warholm fly over those things and you have two other people who are some of the best all time and on the women's side you have two people uh who are the best all time so like it just changes and the steeple like right now on the men's side especially like i remember at the world championships i was like eh, the steeple but then ended up being like one of the closest closest races so i it just to me it just kind of waxes and wanes depending on who's in it but like an 800 seems to always be good like You'd watch like a high school 800. It would just be, it'd be, it's just kind of fun. Like, oh, let's watch this 800 and see like how things shake out. Like, see how good they are. Are you logging fun. on mile split every, like on a random like Saturday afternoon and typing in 800 meter races and just yeah. deep diving into I'd, section four of the New Jersey State 800? <laughs> I think it was, I think it was David Epstein, the, the sports writer for Sports Illustrated, who, or formerly Sports Illustrated. Um, Who's like said he's like there's just never a bore there's like never a boring 800 meter race like it's always interesting in some fashion and part of that's because the the amount of um, time it takes is really perfect for our attention spans but also just because the different the different strategies yeah I mean you'd rather watch that than a whole bunch of five thousands right because a five thousand if it's good it's really really good but if it's not interesting it can be like a tough tough watch to get and through. I guess. Uh, there are certain miles where if if the field isn't good enough to like it could be 
it could be over after one lap, especially at like a high school level where he says, so yeah. just pull away and they're already 10 meters ahead after one lap. You're kind of like, all right, now it's over. Just watch them win. Whereas an 800, you're not going to have that even in the high school level. You're going to have someone like always kind of in there for at least the first 400 before they pull away. Yeah. Yeah. And there's the jostling in the pack or there's the, if you don't even know who's in the race and you just, you know, you flip on a mile split and you watch section seven of the 800 and some kid goes out in 31, you're like, okay, are they about to hold this? Is this fake? And then you're like, oh, wow, yeah, they did the last lap in 78. That was a mistake. Like, there's just always something interesting about it, and it's over in a short enough period of time to where you find the answer out really quickly. You don't need to. Would you rather watch? An, would you rather watch an 800 over like a four by one or four by four? Certainly over a four by one. Uh, yeah, probably over a four by four. Probably over four by four as well too. It dep- four by four. There needs to be stakes. If there's stakes on the line, yeah. like I'll I'll watch any four by four, just like I'll watch any eight hundred. But if it's yeah. just a regular, it's just a regular four by four. Um, there's a lot of blowouts in four by fours. I don't know if you've noticed that. Yeah. No. You know, like we. I do. We remember yeah. the we 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 remember the few times. Um, you know, we remember Kendall Ellis chasing down Purdue. We remember Raven Rogers chasing down. USC. We remember the times the US has lost at the Olympic and World Championship level because it happens so rarely. But in between those, there's a lot of like team in the lead stays in the lead for a really long time. And uh, I don't know, re- relays are tough to get right. If if you have everything yeah. in place, they, they can be good. But um, I think 800 is like just a good default distance. But let us know. Flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. How should Gordon rank these? to create maximum impact because i think that's what he wants to do it's not really even about coming up with his own answer it's, it's I literally just... most anger is that's how i'm measured by how much anger can i get yeah i mean so the 100 is i, I guess some people would argue that 200 is better than the 100 that would oh, be an interesting thing whoever, whoever that person is should not be allowed at track meets come on but the but then you have the 400 that kind of sits on its own. You don't really compare it to any other event. Of course, you compare the 5,000 to the 10,000. The 800, I guess, gets compared to the 1,500. Um, hurdles stand alone, too. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to sort out. But I'm excited to read this article that you put out eventually. Yeah. It's not going to be an <laughs> article. It's just going to be a ranking. Let's just, let's just, let's let's just be a ranking. <laughs> no words Bullet, at all. You know, it's going to be 17 <laughs> rows, 17 lines, each event. Boom. Done. <laughs> All right, flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com is the email address. Write in. Let us know what you think. Lincoln and I will be back tomorrow. Maybe we'll start previewing the World Half Marathon Championships that are coming up this afternoon or give you an inside look at Gordon's travel plans. Until then, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Alon, for producing. Bye-bye.